0: Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio.
1: of Jumping Bomb Audio, a podcast all about Joshi Pro Wrestling. I'm Aaron Bentley. I am joined by my co-host, Taylor
2: Mainborg. What's up, Taylor? Hi, how's it going? I'm very excited to be here. This has been a um, long time coming. Yes, we've been planning to
1: do this podcast for literally months. We would have put out our first episode earlier, but I got very ill. But we're finally here. So I think the best thing to do is there's very likely some people listening who don't know who we are, Taylor, who maybe have never listened to us on other podcasts. So why don't you quickly uh, introduce yourself to the listeners?
2: Uh, So my name is Taylor. I'm uh, 31 and I live in beautiful New York City. Um, And I have been uh, started writing for Voices of Wrestling about um, three years ago at this point, uh, which I can hardly believe. Uh, You may have heard me on my very frequent appearances on Wrestling Omakase with John Carroll, or uh, you may have seen me around Twitter.
1: Yes, I think that's pretty accurate. I also see you in the uh, VOW Slack from time to time, but presumably not that many listeners who also hang out in the VOW Slack.
2: Hopefully everyone in the VOW Slack (laughs) is listening to this podcast.
1: They better be. They better be. Uh, I'm Aaron Bentley. If you are not familiar with me, you, well, that doesn't make any sense. I'm going to say you might have heard me, (laughs) but I already said if you're not familiar with me, but you might have heard me on the Everything Elite podcast where we cover all elite wrestling. That's also on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Or you might know me from the old Everything Evolves podcast that Aaron Taub and I did covering Evolve wrestling. So I've done a lot of different podcasting on uh, the VOW network. I've been on omakase. I've been on some other shows, I'm sure, across the network. So you may know me from there or just uh, my very dumb posts on Twitter. Uh, so that's mostly where people know me from, I guess. Uh, am I leaving anything out, Taylor?
2: No, that sounds uh, that sounds exactly right. I was going to call you a podcasting expert.
1: Oh, wow. Def- well... So. I once said to uh, Drew Spears, my friend, that I called him a celebrity podcaster, and he told me that he is a prolific podcaster, if not uh, a celebrity. So I think I'm definitely prolific.
2: Well, there you go. Although, you know, setting the bar high for this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just mean I do a lot of them. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Do a lot of
1: podcasts. So happy to be doing this one. Uh, well, you mentioned you're you're in New York. I'm in beautiful Louisville, Kentucky, here in uh, the Bluegrass State. So. We get some, uh, maybe some cultural. Well, but you're not from New York, right?
2: No, I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. So I'm fairly, fairly close to you originally.
1: Right. Now, of course, I'm from the very rural part of Kentucky originally. So we probably do have some cultural differences. Maybe they'll come up and over the lifetime of the show. We'll find out. You never know. No, you don't know. But now you know a little bit about us. I guess the next best thing is for you to know why we're here, what we're doing. So to begin from my perspective, we want to cover as much of Joshi Pro Wrestling as possible. The idea being there wasn't a Joshi podcast on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I know there are some other Joshi shows out there, but we wanted to do our own take on it and largely just invite people in to the world of Joshi and make sure that if they want to keep up with it, they have something that demystifies it a little, make, helps you understand where to find it, what's going on, what's good to watch. You know, there's a lot of promotions. If you're just getting into it, you might not know which promotions to watch. You know, for me, I've only really heavily gotten into Joshi over the last several years. And it was people like Taylor who helped me to understand which promotions to prioritize. And and ultimately, it helped me find which ones really fit with the style that I like. So. That's what we're hoping to do on this podcast. So we want to make sure that we cater to new fans, but also that we go in-depth enough that if you're not a new fan, this is still a podcast that will appeal to you. So, Taylor, what are, other than what I've said, what are the kind of things you're hoping to accomplish with this podcast?
2: Well, I think we've talked about this, but one thing with Joshi that I've always found is I think in terms of the many different um, styles of wrestling and sort of the um, localities of wrestling, I think Joshi is one is one that has maybe the highest barrier of entry to get into for Western fans. Um, and you know, this isn't meant as a criticism of any of the companies. But these are companies in Japan focused on Japanese audiences. They're oftentimes very small, um, running on very tight budgets um, that don't have the capacity or the ability to sort of reach out to Western fans to get them involved in the promotion. We now have things like Stardom, which does a lot for English fans. uh, With Stardom World, we have Gato Move, which is... Um, has English commentary on their YouTube channel on those matches, but it still is a little bit intimidating for some people. And I've talked with some people who wanted to get into Joshi and say, "I don't know where to start because I don't really know um, where do, where do the shows happen? Do they stream? Are they available somewhere else? What are the matches? Who are the people?" So, as you mentioned, I really want this podcast to be about giving people a way to get into these promotions, um, explaining what's going on, who are the wrestlers, when are the shows happening, what matches to watch. But I have been watching Joshi now for five years. Um, It's my favorite type of wrestling. I love it. So I am a hardcore fan, and I also want, as you mentioned, to speak to those hardcore fans to really talk about the things that – I really love the matches, the personalities. There's so many great personalities in Joshi's. So I think I'm sort of just repeating your point, Aaron, but sort of bridging the gap for new fans while also giving current fans, hardcore fans, a little bit something extra.
1: Yeah, I think that is our our mission statement, of course. And just to give you an idea of what we're actually going to do on the show to try to accomplish those things. So. We definitely want to do in-depth reviews of the big shows that happen around Joshi. But it's not just going to be a show review podcast. We want to bring you all the news from around the world of Joshi. So make sure that if you don't know anything after you listen to this podcast, which, by the way, we hope to do once every other week. So twice a month. Uh, So if you if you listen to this show and you're not caught up on anything else news wise, we want to make sure that you have all the news Uh, But we don't just want to cover the big shows. So there's going to be a segment in the show called Spark Notes, where we want to give little quick hits on smaller shows or just shows that uh, weren't as big as, say, somebody running a big Coriquin show or something. So that'll be the idea of that. We also want to give you ideas of some some recommended matches that you can go check out, and we'll talk about where you can see those. And since we're only going every other week, we also want to make sure you're up to date on upcoming shows that are going to happen you know, in between the episodes that we do. Now, from that point, it's important to know if you're new to Joshi that there's often a lot of lag between when a show happens and when you can actually watch it. So you may see you know, two weeks or more <laughs> of uh, after a show happened before it goes up somewhere on the internet to be watched, especially if it's a smaller show. But we'll give you an idea of that Uh, when it's coming, how you can watch it. But those are the main things I think that we want to do on the show. Is there anything that I left out, Taylor?
2: No, I think that's exactly right. And um, as you mentioned, it does get a little bit squirrely with some shows airing um, a few weeks later, even maybe a month later. Uh, We actually will encounter that later in the show where I will talk about – a show that's coming up that I'll have to reference a show that's already happened but doesn't air until next week. Um, so that'll happen, but we're all in this together. We'll get through it and it'll be great.
1: So let's head right into our big show reviews. Uh, but before we get to those, I, I want to let you know where you can find us. I know you hear this on every podcast, but it's actually really important on this episode because it's our very first one. So I want you to find us on Twitter. We're at JBom. Audio, so just you know the name of the show, Jumping Bomb Audio, but that won't fit, of course, on Twitter. So it's slightly shortened, J Bomb Audio. Follow us there. We hope to retweet a lot of news, uh, everything just to keep you up to date in between the two shows. And I'm sure sometimes when we're watching shows, we'll put some takes there. Uh, But you can also find me. I'm at Aaron Like the Car on Twitter, and Taylor is at T A M A I M B O. So it's just First part of his first name and the first part of his last name. Easy. <laughs> Very easy. I uh, will put that in the bio. Maybe it already is the bio at J bomb audio. So you can uh, find us as easily as possible. Subscribe to this show. Make sure that you get these episodes every two weeks where they come out right into your podcast feed. You can do that either by searching for jumping bomb audio on the podcast app you use, or by subscribing to the voices of wrestling podcast network you can please uh, give the show a rating give it a review if you use the podcast app on itunes since we're very new it will be very helpful to us to help other people find the show if you rate and review it so we'd really appreciate that and if at some point you decide you really love this show and you want to uh, throw a couple bucks our way for the free audio you can donate at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping Dash Bomb Dash Audio, and we will put a link to that in the show notes. If you want, it's not a Patreon; it's not. You don't get anything for it. But if you want to throw us a few bucks, uh, we'd appreciate it. So, moving on, the the show reviews the the big show that we're gonna start with just happened on well in Japan. It happened on March eighth. So, based on when you're listening to this, but it was uh, Stardom's Korakuen Hall show. No people gate one of the best names of a show of all time. And I guess the first thing to talk about, Taylor, the most interesting thing and something that I've heard from people who aren't already watching stardom is that it aired live, which it was the first
2: stardom show to ever air live from Japan. Yeah, it was amazing. It's something that fans of stardom have been wanting for a long time. The current system uh, with Stardom World, which is the Stardom streaming service, is that they have the shows and then Stardom uploads about one match a day for the following week for these shows. So oftentimes you're not seeing the entire show until the Friday following the show, which by that point, sometimes you've been on Twitter and the Japanese fans have maybe posted about um, what happened at the show. So it's a little bit difficult to get through a show unspoiled. There was a lot of talk on my Twitter feed about excitement, about watching a Joshi show live from Japan that people were not already spoiled on, uh, which was quite exciting. I've heard that they are going to do these live shows. It wasn't a one-off thing. They're going to do them every month now. Um, which I think is really great. I'm really excited for that. I think there was a great energy around the show with people watching it on Twitter, people talking to me. Uh, They had a live chat on the YouTube um, channel as well for people to chat in. So it it really drove a lot of excitement. Um, That was really cool to watch.
1: Yeah. Couldn't agree more. It was very exciting to just be able to sit on my couch and watch a live show from a live Joshi show from Japan. If you are coming to this from watching things like New Japan, where now, you know, you're used to seeing every show basically live, that is not what's happening in the world of Joshi. Like Tokyo Joshi Pro sometimes is live, which we'll talk about them at some point, but not a common thing to be able to watch these live. So it was very exciting. And I'm glad to hear that they're planning to do it with some regularity. They reported on their Twitter that they had, at its peak, over ten thousand viewers on this uh, YouTube stream. Which, by the way, you can—if you haven't seen this yet—you can still go to their YouTube. Just search "Stardom Official" on YouTube. You can still watch the show on demand. So, let's talk quickly first, Taylor, just about Stardom, I guess, because we have promised that we're going to help newcomers. So, I suppose we should actually do that. But Stardom is probably the most easily accessible. Joshi for Westerners, it's a toss-up, I guess, between them and Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. But they have, on, the, on Stardom World, so you go to stardom-world.com, you can sign up for their streaming service, and they do English translations of all the promos after the matches, and you get some post, uh, some pre-match promos from all the wrestlers, and all that is translated. So it's pretty easy to follow the stories and have a good idea of what's going on. It's also, it's, uh, I'm not sure that it's still really this way, but it's it's kind of an idol-based promotion in the way that the wrestlers are presented. It, it, it was recently purchased by Bushi Road, the same company that owns New Japan. So you're getting some of the same presentation now that you kind of see out of uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, in certain ways, not completely. But it still has a lot of, for, for my money, it still has a lot of like hard hitting in this promotion, which is something that Joshi is famous for. And you definitely get that in stardom, even though it's got kind of an, an idle presentation.
2: Yeah, that's very true. It's probably the best mix. Um, there There are other promotions that are... Um, I think would be considered idol like promotions. And there are other promotions that would be probably considered very hard hitting. I think stardom is probably the best mix of the two in terms of putting them together. Um, Still very idle in terms of the way that they sort of market their talent. Um, But some of the matches you'll see very hard hitting, especially the main events of most shows um, are definitely They are not holding back. In terms of also the English um, outreach, they also do have a Twitter account that tweets in English, uh, we are stardom, we underscore are underscore stardom. Uh, You can follow them. Uh, The one warning with that is they tweet live results. So if you're someone who tries to watch shows unspoiled, they will often tweet live. So it's before the matches would go up on stardom world. Yeah, certainly has the roots. Stardom has the roots in Idol, in an Idol promotion. That was the reason it was founded, um, but has leaned more into the hard-hitting aspect. And it'll be interesting to see now that Bushi Road is involved trying to get more female fans, trying to do more outreach, grow a bigger audience, whether that mix goes one way or the other.
1: Absolutely. We're already seeing from them a, a shift. Well, a perceived shift. We'll see how it plays out. But a shift in what type of wrestlers are pushed at the top of the promotion. And it does seem that they're at this point looking for the taller, better looking. <laughs> I mean, a lot like New Japan, right? Uh, the same kind of people you expect to be pushed there. We're starting to see, I think, going toward that way here in stardom.
2: Yeah, and it as you mentioned, it is very similar to new Japan. It's something that isn't, I think in men's wrestling, especially new Japan, it's, it's talked about a lot less, but you look up and down the card on new Japan. Um, and there are some obviously, you know, wrestlers that this is before, but a lot of these people are obviously very good looking. Um, and it's the same way with stardom. Um, They want to draw people in. They want someone who, when you put them on a poster, someone takes a look and says, "Wow, look at that person!" You know. So it's, I I think there's a stereotype of Joshi of, oh, oh, you know, it's just the creeps. They just want to look at hot women. But I think Bushiroad is moving away from that, and I think it becomes more of a who is a marketable star for us.
1: Right. Uh, Yes. There's a an idea out there that only uh, the pervs watch Joshi. And absolutely, there's some part of that culture wrapped up in it, just like there is in American women's wrestling. And so I'm not suggesting that they're going with the prettier women to attract more of the creeps. I think, in fact, they're trying to run the creeps off, Uh, but just trying to. Yeah. Who's the right person to throw on a cover of a magazine or put on a poster uh, that's going to make people say, oh, this person is someone I should spend money to watch. Live in person. So I think we'll go there and we'll talk more about the different wrestlers as we as we go through. But I think that's a, a good general basis to get into them from. All right. So this show, March 8th, No People Gate, live from Corrigan Hall. We started out. I mean, it's literally No People Gate because there, there were no fans admitted. There were more people in the building than I anticipated. Uh, I saw Chris Brooks hanging out in the back. Not sure what he was doing. But, you know, you saw some uh, some people hanging around, but no tickets sold, uh, no fans admitted, which I was concerned about. But overall, mainly the reason it succeeded, I thought, was that the wrestlers had very high energy throughout the entire show. And that really came across and made it so that not having fans there didn't really detract from the experience.
2: I also think the commentary, I think having Liger there, uh, Jushin Thunder Liger was on commentary for most of the show, not all of the show. I think that really helped. He was super high energy on commentary. He was reacting a lot. He was talking. And I think if they didn't have commentary or if the commentary was just sort of flat, it might have come off differently. But that commentary also gave a little bit of the energy that was missing from having no audience. Um, I didn't really, it didn't really affect my enjoyment of the show. Now, maybe with fans being there, I would have liked the show even more. I don't know if that would be the case. The only time it really ever seemed sort of out of place to me was when the finishes would happen. Um, and it'd be, you know, one, two, three, and the bell would ring and there was no sound, um, which wasn't a negative. It just sort of is jarring after, Watching so many shows with people there, you expect one, two, three, and the fans are going to react. But I don't think it hindered the show in any way. I thought the show still had some good matches on it. And um, certainly I was a little bit nervous going in that it might be low energy, but it certainly was not.
1: No, and sometimes, you know, you get a big move or something or a near fall and it was kind of deflating because no reaction. But a great point about the commentary, which reminds me, of course, that Stardom World has no commentary. So if if that's something you're not used to, that can be a little off-putting at first, although I don't really even think about it at this point, having watched the promotion for so long. But it was nice to have, even though I don't speak any Japanese, it was nice to hear the lively commentary on this show. Overall. I mean, you basically said you liked the show, but overall, do you have thoughts as far as comparing this to a normal
2: stardom Coral show? Um, In terms of comparing it, I think it was probably on the lower side. Now, of course, they had no fans there, and one of the big matches of the night was uh, called off seemingly very last minute. I didn't even know about it until the show was happening, and someone posted on Twitter that Arisa Hoshiki had been, had an injury. So I didn't even know about it going in. Um, so it's a little bit disappointing when one of the sort of, well, one of the three title matches of the show, well, not title matches, but big matches of the show is called off. Um, and I have some in, I have some thoughts and, and we'll get to it on the main event and and what went down. But I would say it's a little bit, lower quality than the usual Corkin Hall, but with the caveat that they had some unexpected um, wrenches thrown in, the, in their plans. Yeah, I don't think the card
1: was as good as you would normally expect. I mean, even on paper coming into the show from a normal Stardom Corkin show, but they also didn't have to sell any tickets. So you kind of understand you don't want to give away your best batches on a show that you can't really make any money off of. So I, I understood that going in. But honestly, for the card, I thought the show over-delivered. It was better than I anticipated going in. And uh, we'll go down through the matches and kind of talk about where they where they over-delivered, where they underdelivered. But let's start with the beginning of the show, the time shift battle royal. The thing you need to know about battle royals and stardom is that it's not always an over-the-top rope finish. It can be by pinfall or submission. Uh, and that is What they were doing here was uh, pinfall submissions and over the top rope, which can help to protect some of your talent, makes it more interesting at times and uh, just gives you a little something different. In this one, we had the winner. So we were told there would be some surprises and and there were. The winner, Super Strong Starlight Machine, which was a character we'd never seen before in stardom. Uh, she won by eliminating Azumi and Momoe Nakanishi. Another surprise. The former All Japan women's champion. She eliminated both of them at the same time. They were kind of they'd gone over the top rope standing on the uh, on the apron, and she pushed him off to win. Uh, I think it's safe to say that super strong Starlight Machine was uh Sayida. You do you agree with me, Taylor?
2: Well, I don't know. I never saw the face, so I can't, I can't really say. I have no idea. Are we going to get in trouble for uh,
1: unmasking Super Strong no. Starlight Machine?
2: Uh, no. Yes, it was, uh, it was Saya Ida. Yes, definitely. All right, Who well, appeared multiple times in the match, not only as Super Strong Starlight Machine. Yes, yeah, she also um, appeared as
1: Captain Stardom, which was like a similar gimmick to Captain New Japan or, or even Captain Noah. Uh, so we saw her there. We saw Saya Ida also in the match early on. Some of the other big surprises, Momoi Nakanishi, as I mentioned, Mimi Shimoda popped up here. So that was pretty uh, interesting. Uh, But overall, what did you think of this match?
2: I really liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought they had really good surprises. You know, I liked the Captain Stardom uh, appearance as someone who did enjoy, as you mentioned, Captain New Japan. I was a little bit confused why they went with super strong starlight machine and not just super stardom machine, uh, which would match the letters SSM of the original super strong machine. Um, loved Mima being there. She's one of my favorites. She wrestles mostly nowadays in seedling, um, but has been around the business for a long time. Uh, part of the very well-known LCO tag team from back in the nineties. Um, Momoe Nakanishi, a great surprise. So I thought it was a great mix of people already in the promotion I like, Konami, uh, Tom, uh, Death Yamasan, but also some fun and some good surprises as well. So I really enjoyed it. I liked it a lot too. I mean,
1: it was like, this was a good way to get out the awkwardness of no fans because it was really weird at times at the beginning. And then I just kind of came to enjoy that weirdness and just embrace it. Which is the the way I try to live life, also, you know. So it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Now, did you think it was weird that super strong Starlight Machine
2: pinned Tall Saya Saya Kamitani? Um, I don't know if I thought it was weird. These sort of matches, I sometimes have a hard time reading anything into them. Um, you know, when people are coming out multiple times as different personalities, it, you know, it could lead to something or it could, you know, be a pecking order thing. But I don't really read too much into, you know, elimination order or who eliminates who, because I don't know if they'll make a story out of this or if it was just sort of a fun way to, you know, get people on this card, get people on the YouTube show. And they said, oh, you know, she needs to be out. So we'll just have Saya Pinner. You know, I don't know. Well, they also needed her to be strong, right? And that no pun intended there, but they needed her to be
1: strong (laughs) because, as you mentioned, the Aris Ahoshki versus Natsuko Tora match that was planned for the White Belt title challenge had been canceled. I, too, was not aware of that going into the show. And so when Super Strong Starlight Machine started talking in her post-match about Natsuko Tora, I was very confused. And then Natsuko Tora came out, and they started having a match, and I was even more confused. But it turned out I was able to uh, divine from Twitter, thanks to at uh, TWF87, great account to follow if you're a Joshi fan. Uh, I, I learned from them that apparently the the change was that Natsuko, because Arisa Hoshki had some sort of head injury, I believe was the reporting, and so she wasn't able to be there, that instead Natsuko would face the winner, of the Battle Royal. So then we went straight into Natsuko Tora versus Super Strong Starlight Machine and Natsuko won with uh, a spinning side slam type move. You're not going to get great move names on this show, I'm sorry to say, because I asked Taylor a few move names before the show and he didn't know them either. So bad. No, I'm
2: terrible with moves. I'm terrible with with the names of moves.
1: (laughs) I will say, on Stardom World recently, they've started putting the finish... Like, as soon as the match is over, it'll be like Natsuko Tora, and then if she's won, and then the name of the move she won with. So that usually helps me. So hopefully uh, they'll do that there and on these live shows going forward. Your thoughts on on this match? There really wasn't much to it.
2: Uh, There wasn't much to it, which sort of is a bit confusing to me. Um, It would seem like they could give um, Tora maybe. this was sort of a extended squash match. It only went about 5 minutes. I thought that maybe they would have, you know, I also didn't know until the match was happening what was going on, so I was sort of looking up and going, "Why are they having this match right now?" But having sort of going back in the past and knowing I maybe would have had a stronger winner if you want to have still give Tora a match and have her look good, maybe give her um you know, Azumi or something like that. Maybe you don't want Azumi to lose in this position. Um, but it just sort of felt like a strange match that didn't really – was sort of she came out, she won in five minutes, and then it was done. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there wasn't much to the match itself, though, really.
1: No, not at all. Not really sure what I was even
2: supposed to take from this <laughs>
1: other than – I expected to see Natsuko Tora on the show, and there she was, since she was healthy. But kind of a strange match. Uh, we went from that into a tag match. We got uh, Julia and Micah from Donna Del Mondo, Women of the World. So we'll... them like New Japan, is unit based So I don't know why I keep thinking people listening to this are big New Japan fans <laughs> and tying that in. They probably... Most Joshi fans really don't give a shit about New Japan, so maybe they don't care.
2: But well and they are owned by both owned by Bushi Road so I guess it's right. a fair you know
1: Yeah but that was that was my uh adventure my path was like I went from American wrestling to getting into New Japan and kind of in into the sleaze pro indies and then found my way to Joshi so maybe I'm just speaking to like my old self maybe you have come uh, maybe you've started to be bored by New Japan and are looking for something new and that's why you're thinking about getting into Joshi. But anyway, it's a unit based promotion. So Julia and Micah are part of Dona Del Mondo, which is the newest unit in stardom. And it's kind of, uh, it almost has like a freelancer feel, even though Julia, I think is, I don't know, but probably contracted to stardom. Uh, but Micah and Shuri, the other member of Dona Del Mondo, are freelancers, uh, at least for now. And uh, they, they, tagged against Hanakamura, Jungle Kiona of Tokyo Cyber Squad. So if you're new to this, you'll get a sense of the units and and who they are, what they represent uh, pretty easily. It can be overwhelming at first. But ultimately, uh, Kiona pinned Micah with the Jungle Buster. It's like a Muscle Buster type move. And the thing you needed to know about this coming in, or at least it would help, is that there's this kind of long-term story between Hana and Julia. They're kind of feuding with each other, which makes these units go at each other. But what did you think of this match, Taylor?
2: Um, I thought it was pretty good. I think that um, we've obviously been talking leading up to the recording of this. I think we are going to have some interesting Donna Del Mondo um, discussion on this podcast. I... Look, they, as you mentioned, are the newest unit. They have three members. Um, Micah has wrestled, I believe, something like 12 matches in her career. She's very new. Um, And whenever I watch her, she obviously sort of has the innate skill set to be very talented, but she's very raw, as you would expect from someone who's had so few matches. And... It shows in matches like this where she seems to um, hit very softly. She's not entirely sure. She doesn't seem fully confident in what she's doing, which sometimes um, brings the match down a little for me. I thought it was fairly good. I I went three and a half stars. Um, I love Jungle Kiona. I think she's one of the best wrestlers in the world, and I think she looked great in this match. Um, It didn't blow me away, though, and part of that is Donna Del Mondo still, to me, is on a little bit of shaky ground. They have three members. Shuri wasn't at the show tonight, so then it's two members, and one of those members is a very new rookie. And Julia is herself only a few years into her career, and you look at some of the other units in Stardom, and they're oftentimes anchored by these long-time... Um, stars of the promotion. I mean, Jungle Kiona, who we'll talk about, hasn't seen a lot of success, but has been around for a long time and is very good in Tokyo Cyber Squad and Queen's Quest has Momo Watanabe and all these things. So I get a little worried about Donna Del Mundo having a tiny group, maybe they add to it later, where I don't look at anyone and say, yes, that is the that is the person, that is the leader of this unit.
1: Well, Julia is definitely the leader of the unit. I don't think there's Well, any yeah, she's...
2: The, I should say from an in-ring perspective. Uh, I think... I
1: don't You say Shuri. I say Shuri. I'm not... I don't really have any idea of how to pronounce her name. Uh, I think she's the best in-ring worker of the three. I don't, I don't think it's yeah. particularly close.
2: Yeah, I would agree, but also she's not a... You know, she's not a roster member at any moment. I guess she could technically leave yes that's fair Uh, i don't know i agree in that
1: when julia came in and they immediately put her in like a pretty top spot in the promotion and they gave her a unit you know i really thought oh she's gonna really have to bring it and most of the time she hasn't other than that singles match she had with hanakamura at i'm not sure what the date is on that one of the corak ones and she was excellent in that match. I think they have really good chemistry. I thought that was the highlight of this match was when they were really going at each other. But I don't necessarily disagree with you. I don't disagree with you at all, except that maybe I'm higher on Micah than you are. I think she's pretty good and getting better all the time. But yeah, there's a real concern of like if if they are positioning Julia as one of their top people. And in this promotion and the top card in these title matches, you got to be able to bring it in ring and it it's not completely clear yet that she's going to be able to work at that level
2: yeah i think you probably just said what i was meaning to say more concisely and and better than i did but it's the same way where if i see you know jungle i'm like jungle kiona's in a tag match it's in a big spot i know that she's going to deliver every time 100 percent she's going to give her all and You know, sometimes a match doesn't go well because that's the way sometimes wrestling works, where things go, you know, off the rails or something like that. But there are these sort of the staples of the stardom promotion are people you can count on to go out there and give you amazing wrestling. And I don't know if Julia is that type of in-ring talent.
1: Yeah, I I agree. She's going to have to get over with her uh, charisma which has been, it comes and goes, I think, as far as like, she has like a very weird charisma. And so sometimes it works and connects and other times I'm not sure that it does. So she's obviously like uh, very beautiful and that's a big part of her her gimmick. But uh, we'll see if she's able to really connect with the crowd, either by really improving as a worker or finding some other way. I mean, Hana Kimura wasn't always as good as she is now. And she still had an insane connection with the crowd, you know, so there's other ways to do it, but it remains to be seen whether Julia will be able to do it in either of those ways or any of those ways after the match, I believe. (laughs) So I'm used to having the English translations during post-match promos, not so much here because it's live, but I believe jungle Kiona challenged Julia to a singles match. I believe that
2: is true. (laughs) I'm exactly like you where sometimes these things happen and you just sort of have to look at who's reacting and who's yelling at who and sort of go from there.
1: Right. This is not dissimilar from watching most Joshi. So (laughs) it just uh, wasn't what I'm used to in stardom. So after this, we get uh, for my money, the best match of the night, Momo Watanabe with Tommy Hayashita from the Queens quest. Unit taking on Jamie Hayter and B. Priestley from the Oedo Tai unit. What you kind of needed to know coming into this was that B. Priestley was in Queen's Quest. She turned on Queen's Quest at the last Korokwin, including giving Momo Watanabe a Kamigoye and, uh, you know, cementing her exit from that unit and and leaving for Oedo Tai. Uh, What you also need to know as you listen to this podcast, is that I am Momo Watanabe's number one fan. I will defend her to the death. So just keep that in mind when you listen to my my Momo takes. I'm always going to be biased in her favor. Uh, B Priestley, very sadly for me, ultimately won this match by pinning Momo after the Japanese Ocean
2: Cyclone suplex. Uh, this was really good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it too. I thought it started off a little bit slowly, but... As you can expect from uh, the talent in the ring, really ramped up in the end, and I thought it was really great.
1: Yeah, you got in my from my perspective, four of the best workers in the promotion in this match. I know that opinions differ wildly on B Priestley. I'm usually pretty high on her in ring work, although I have to hate her now because she has turned her back on my beloved Momo. Uh, I loved. The Momo B Priestley interactions, though, in this match, that spot where Momo tried to hit the Kamigoye on B to kind of get her revenge and then B hit the Peach Sunrise, which is Momo's finish on Momo. I thought that was a really fun little interaction.
2: Yeah, and um, Yoko Bito, who's a retired wrestler from Stardom, was on commentary for this match and Momo hit uh, one of her moves, the B driver um, on the apron, as well as I think then in the ring as well. So that was that was fun as well. It was fun to see Yoko Bito back, who I always enjoyed when she was in the promotion and and fun to see that sort of shout out. So we saw at what was it the two two quirk ones ago when Momo lost to Mayu
1: Yui who is the red belt champion in stardom. And we saw after that that Momo did this promo about, you know, basically I'm going to chase you, Mayu, and I'm never going to stop until I can beat you. And if you don't know this, Momo was the white belt champion for a long time. She set the record for white belt defenses. And then around the time Bushiroad bought Stardom, Momo dropped the belt to Arisa, who they seem to be focusing on more nowadays. And Momo seemed to really be less focused on. So I came out of that Cork one where she lost to Mayu, thinking, okay, they're not going to have her at the top of this promotion anymore, but they are giving her an advi- a path, a, a story, um, a challenge. You know, it's like, okay, now I'm chasing Mayu. I mean, in, in fairness, Momo is what 19 years old, 20 years old. So you could see, all right, now they're going to kind of reset her and give her a few years to to try to catch up to Mayu. That's fair that's something worth watching but you really cement it here where not only does her does she get her finish hit on her uh she hits her finish and it was someone helped to for the kick out so it wasn't just completely kicked out of but then she loses to b Priestley, who at this point it's kind of hard to tell where b is on the hierarchy in stardom but uh, a good sign a continued sign that momo is just not going to be focused on in the bushy road era at least not currently.
2: Well, yeah, and I think the the after match also sort of cements that with Saya, uh, with Tall Saya coming out, Saya Kamatani coming out and asking to team with Utami um, against the Oedo Thai team instead of asking to team with Momo. Uh, So I think that's also sort of part of the, you know, and that could lead into the story where Momo is more and more sort of abandoned. Uh, By this group, obviously abandoned by B Priestley, who turned on her and maybe being abandoned by the people in her own group now. And maybe that leads to having her go all the way down and then start to climb up. And maybe that's the that's the beginning of that story. So you don't know. But um, as someone who is a big Jungle Kiona fan, Jungle Kiona, when Jungle Kiona wins, it's cause for celebration because it doesn't happen all that often in stardom. So, Aaron, I feel your pain.
1: Yeah, it's it's very painful. Especially, she's been doing these sad tweets this morning about like, wow, like can can't believe that somebody, you know, uh, Sai Kamatani wanted to challenge for these belts, and they think that I'm the reason that we lost. And that's like very heartbreaking <laughs> for me. Uh, I just love MoMo, and so I feel bad for her. But yeah, you can imagine. But Tommy becoming the leader of this faction, you can imagine there's uh, if you're not familiar, there's an annual or at least over the past few years, there's been an annual draft in Stardom where there's can be some switches in the units. And lately, people have just been moving around in the units pretty freely. So you can imagine Momo uh, leaving this unit, although that's terribly sad considering how it felt like when Io Shirai, who was the former Queen's Quest leader, left Stardom to go to WWE. She kind of handed the keys to Momo. Uh, I mean, almost literally as she uh, laid down and and Momo beat her for the white belt on EO's way out. So very sad that it could be something where uh, Momo just ends up outside of this unit. Afterward, like you said, we had this this challenge and I just wanted to point out the B line at the end. So she B gives her promo in English so I could understand it. And she says, QQ you can fuck you. And no idea what that means.
2: <laughs> People are always yelling fuck it at, at Queen's Quest, you know there was the yeah. um Konami uh fuck QQ and now fuck you. So uh a lot of hatred towards Queen's Quest from all different directions.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's distressing to me as a as a Queen's Quest fan. But I'm I am uh, loyal to Momo, so if she leaves, I will abandon Queen's Quest at the drop of a hat. <laughs> <laughs> Just so everyone knows. <laughs> All right, main event. Mayu Iwatani, the current Red Belt champion, but this is a non-title match, against Saki Kashima. Mayu is the leader of the STARS unit, uh, which is basically like the home army. Saki Kashima, the newest member. Mm, is she, or is B the newest member? One of the newest members of Oedo Tai. I guess B is the newer member. And um.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I think so because I think Saki
1: like at the beginning of January.
2: Yeah, now my timeline's all messed up in my head, but they're both very new. They're yes, both they're new. very recent members. Basically, the story here is Saki kept
1: trying to get. Well, Saki turned on Mayu to to leave Stars and join Oedo Tai. They were in a tag match together. It was actually, as I recall, Mayu and Saka versus Hanakamura and Kagetsu. And Saki turned on Mayu, joined a way to tie. So then after that, Saki's trying to get herself a title match with Mayu. And Mayu at every turn is like, basically, I don't respect you enough to give you any sort of match. Certainly not a title match. And so that went on for a while before Mayu finally agreed to this. And what we got was at least referred to as a lumberjack match. I'm not sure it resembled any lumberjack match I've ever seen before. Uh, but ultimately, Mayu Watani won. With a moonsault after a tombstone pile driver, did you? Well, I don't know. It, did you like the match generally?
2: Um. Well, so the match sort of felt like two parts to me. There was the beginning of the match, which was very strange. It was, I guess, what you would call the lumberjack match portion of the of it. Which involved a lot of Oedo Tai just beating up Mayu Iwatani on the outside, um, constantly. It actually, I and I said this while I was watching to someone. I said it feels very much like a uh, Oz Academy main event to me in a way. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Oz Academy is built um, around this heel faction who's gone by many names now goes by Sekigun, Um But their whole thing is they are all about constant interference in their matches. They're a heel unit. They have um, this guy who helps them out called Police. And they're always interfering. It's interference, interference, interference. And the faces have to fight back valiantly. Sometimes they don't succeed and sometimes they do succeed. But that's what the beginning of the match felt like because it felt like every few minutes Mayu was on the outside getting beat up by everyone. Uh, It was a bit strange because I would figure the match, the point of the match would be to get over Saki and get over her new heel persona, uh, which I think is a little bit, it it doesn't feel like a natural fit for her to be a heel. Um, So I figured the match would focus on her mostly, but when it was on the outside, it felt more like, the match was about Oedo Tai and what they were doing. So I didn't love that. It was a bit strange to me. Then they got back in the ring and Mayu took over. And Mayu is uh, very has a very daredevil style with her in-ring work. She gives 100% every time she wrestles. She's willing to do whatever it takes uh, to have a good match. And so once the sort of in-ring portion of it started... I started warming up to it. There were a couple of sort of odd um, mistakes in the match. There was supposed to be a ref bump that didn't quite happen. There was supposed to be a chair shot that didn't really work. So it was sort of this odd where I didn't like it, and then it started getting better, and I liked it. But then there were all these things, and I didn't like it. And then Mayo took over again, and I liked it again. So I sort of was very on the fence about the whole thing.
1: I think that's fair. What's funny, Taylor, is I had that same thought about Oz Academy. It's the, the main event scene in Oz Academy often leaves me cold because of the the interference. And that is exactly what I thought here. It was like, honestly, I was enjoying this at the beginning. I was surprised because it's mo- it was mostly like Saki on top. And Saki is not the best worker in stardom, I think it's fair to say. Uh, but I thought it was pretty compelling. She's like working on the leg on Mayu. And I'm a limb work pervert. So I mean I kind of enjoy that anyway. And I was like, oh, let's see where this goes. Of course it played no role in the later portions of the match. <laughs> so that was good. <laughs> uh but I was enjoying it and the interference uh kind of uh, got me out of it. But what you want here is for Mayu to kind of get a little bit of a challenge, but she has to just put Saki away unless you're really going to go somewhere with, with Saki, which I don't see that coming. So I thought it did what it was supposed to. It just uh, was kind of a weird scenario, weird environment for the match to happen in.
2: Yeah, I should say that when I mentioned Oz Academy, I know that, you know, you and I know there's some Joshi fans out there who are not a huge fan of of the Oz Academy style. I happen to love it. It just seems like not a... The, the way they do it to me is they are experts at it. The way they do it, they know exactly which buttons to push of their audience and the people who are watching. And they sort of have the style down where this sort of felt like an out of place. It sort of felt like taking that style and putting it on something where it doesn't fit like a uh, square peg in a round hole a little bit. So I don't want it. I don't want to come off as if, you know, I know that, Aaron, you don't prefer them, but I really like Oz Academy. It just felt like a weird mixture of it's not what I expect from stardom, and I don't know that they pulled it off very well. Um, But it still gave me that feeling because that's the sort of style that Oz Academy has. All right. Well, that's pretty much the stardom March 8th Coraline show. Anything
1: else you want to add from that show?
2: No, I think that's it as i said- as I said, I'm excited for them to do more of these live shows i that was you know even more than any of the matches. My favorite thing about the show was being able to watch it um and it also was on at a time at nine thirty p m Eastern time in the United States where I could watch it very easily. I didn't have to stay up late I didn't have to you know set an go to sleep and set an alarm so I'm excited to do this. To be able to watch these shows with people um, tweet about it or you know text people about it or message about it, and I'll watch it live because I think watching wrestling with people even if you're not in the same room but you're able to talk about it is I think the best way to watch wrestling
1: absolutely it's it's meant to be consumed live with other people so. Okay, well we'll move on from there. The next show we wanted to talk about was Kagetsu's retirement show. Kagetsu was a, a Stardom wrestler and the leader of Owato Tai for a long time, but she's recently decided to retire and on February 24th she had her retirement show at the Adeon Arena Osaka number no. 2 in Osaka. Um this we're not probably won't spend as much time on this as we did on the Stardom Coric one because I think it's fair to say it's mostly a, a a one match, excuse me, mostly a one match show, uh, but we'll run down it uh, quickly. And starting with uh, the very first match, Natsuko Tora and Natsu Sumire took on Layla Hirsch, Shuri, and you. The most, uh, ultimately you pinned uh, Natsu with a powerbomb. The most interesting thing to me here was Hazuki being at ringside, being there with the, the Oedo Thai crew. Hazuki, if you don't know, retired from stardom uh, a few months ago in a very emotional retirement where she basically said no one should ever have to retire under the circumstances I did, although we never really learned what those were. But she was clearly unhappy with retiring. So it was nice to see her here smiling, enjoying herself. Uh, I think this was originally supposed to be a three on three with Jamie Hayter on the Oedo tie side, but I don't know why she wasn't there.
2: Yeah, it was. Supposed, Jamie Hader was supposed to be in the match. I also don't know why she wasn't there. I thought it was a fun match. I really like seeing Hazuki. Uh, I thought I really love shows like this um, that bring together a bunch of different people from different promotions. Now, most of the talent in this match is stardom talent or appears in stardom, except for you. So I like seeing you interacting with uh, Natsu and Natsuko. Oh.
1: I love that you and I definitely pronounced some of these names differently. So the listeners can decide who they think is correct. I think <laughs> the only way to do this.
2: I, I realized before we started recording that some of these names I've never actually said out loud <laughs> of um, before. So I was looking at some names and going, oh, I've been reading it this way, but actually looking at it and going to pronounce it, it's probably not the way it's been in my head for however many months or years.
1: <laughs> well, the thing to me is that like, Japanese vowels always have the same sound, right? Or at least most of the time. So there's always this fight in my head between like what I think the Japanese pronunciation probably is versus just how I say things in English. Uh, and that always is kind of a fight with me. Like, for example, Nakanishi, which we talked about Momoe Nakanishi earlier. But that uh, that Naka Nishi sound is like, that's an English thing. That's an American thing. They probably say it more like Nakanishi, but this is outside. Yeah. The show.
2: <laughs> yeah. And you'll hear it. In, but, and you'll also hear it in the chant sometimes that we say, you know, Taka, I'm just thinking of a random name, but like Takashida. Right. Which is, which like, is not really the way they say it in Japanese, but.
1: Right. It's like.
2: Akeshita. I think as long as we're close, I think, you know, we'll yeah. get the point across. We'll get the point. We're trying.
1: Is the is the key? We're trying
2: our best.
1: Yes, <laughs> okay, Okay. <laughs> uh, Ruga, This is a three way match. Ruga versus Azumi versus Kaho Kabayashi. And I thought as I was watching this, this is right up Taylor's alley.
2: And you are exactly right. I really <laughs> like this match. It was three very. Di- as I mentioned in the last match, this was sort of the epitome of that. Three talents from very different. Promotions. Um, Misuruga is from Gato Move. Uh, Kaho Kobayashi is, I believe, technically freelance, but you'll see her a lot in Oz Academy and a bunch of different promotions. And Azumi is a stardom talent. I thought this was super fun. I really enjoyed watching it. It reminded me a lot of the um, seedling high-speed matches that they have, which is a style of match they have, which is very quick. Um, in seedling itself, the high speed matches have a certain rule set, which is you have to g- go off the ropes um, before you can make a pin and different rules like that, which obviously this match didn't have. But it had the sort of feeling of go, go, go. It was only um, 1029. So it was a not a long match, but I thought it was great. I love Mesa Ruga. I think she's one of the um, top young talents in all of Joshi wrestling. So very happy to see this match, and I really enjoyed it.
1: I forgot to say that Azumi pinned Mace, That was the finish of the match. Uh, After the match, Azumi and May shook hands. Then they extended a hand to Kaho, but pushed her down instead. So not really sure what we're building to here, since none of these people work in the same
2: (laughs) promotion. It was funny because I watched this um, before the Stardom show um, that we just talked about, and I thought – They were advertising all week about the uh, Time Shift Battle Royal that, oh, you'll see people who maybe um, have never appeared in Stardom before. And I thought, oh, maybe this is building something towards that. But obviously I was uh, very wrong as um, neither of the non-Stardom talent appeared. Yeah. So I don't know where
1: that's building, but maybe down the road we'll see something and it will be like, oh, glad I watched that Kagetsu retirement show. Next up was uh, Kagetsu versus Saya Ida. It was advertised as X versus Saya Ida, but it turned out to be Kagetsu. Uh, Ida ultimately tapped to an arm submission from Kagetsu. But I think the most noteworthy part of this match was presumably the very last performance of the Oedo Tai dance. So if you don't know, Oedo Tai used to do this dance that you saw at the beginning of this match before all their matches. And then, gosh, what, a year ago? They had a match with Queen's Quest, and it was a mask versus dance match. So Queen's Quest has masks that they wear out in their entrance. And the idea was if Queen's Quest lost, they had to give up their masks. If Oedo Tai lost, they had to give up the dance. And uh, Oedo Tai lost and gave up the dance. And so this, I assume, will be the last time we ever see it.
2: Yeah, I think it was actually almost exactly a year ago because it was right before WrestleMania weekend, I think, wasn't it? I, did we because see the dance
1: they, at WrestleMania? Didn't they
2: not, wasn't that the heartbreak or was it right after? Well, either way, it was almost, you know, a year ago, but you never know because we thought that the last dance they did was the last dance and here they are doing the dance again. So <laughs> true, never say ne- in wrestling, never say never. So <laughs> we may see the dance again, but it was good seeing the dance. I did really, um I did really miss it. I always thought it was fun.
1: Yes, a lot of fun. And this was nice because you got to see now Yamaguchi, who was a former member of Oedo Tai. So, you know, kind of get some some throw ins here that uh, made it a little nostalgic. So pretty exciting. But I don't have much to say about the match itself.
2: No, it was very short. It only went five minutes. So sort of another extended squash of Sayida on uh, this group of shows. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, Kagetsu had another match coming up, uh, but right before that, there was a a six-man tag match. The only men who appeared on the show, Gaina, Jensei Shinzaki, and Zeus, taking on Dynamito, Kamui, and Kazuki Hashimoto. I, frankly, did not watch this.
2: Uh, It was... The match won 11 minutes, but it was clipped on the video, so I think they only showed about three minutes. I did watch it, but they're... You know, sometimes on these samurai broadcasts, they sort of have to cut what they think is the least um, vital parts of the show. And I guess on a show with almost all women, they figured that the uh, men's match was the least vital, which I don't know that I can argue with. So, not much to say.
1: A good uh, switch up, you know, usually the women's matches is treated in a lot of wrestling as the uh, least vital part. So, (laughs) nice to see the men's match (laughs) treated. As uh, the one nobody cares about. So the main event, Kogetsu taking on Mako Satomura. The story here is that Kagetsu was trained by Mako and started out with Sendai Girls Pro Wrestling, which is the wrestling uh, promotion that Mako runs. And ultimately, she left there to go to Stardom. So you know there was a split there, and then you kind of get this satisfying. Circle, I guess here, you know, it's kind of closes the closes the loop where she goes back to where she began to finish out her career. Uh, ultimately, of course, Mako won with the Death Valley bomb, so you go out losing, as is customary in pro wrestling. Um, I'm not sure this hit the heights I wanted it to, but it was a lot of fun just to see Mako mixing it up with Kagetsu, which is something that you know, hadn't happened in many years and something I wasn't watching Joshi when Kigetsu was in Sendai Girl. So this was a new interaction to me and I really enjoyed that.
2: Yeah, I'm about on the same page. I saw some people before I watched the show because I didn't watch it right when it came out who were talking about this match as a match of the year contender, very top quality. I don't think it really got to that level for me, but I like seeing it. Mako Satomura, of course, is a legend in Joshi wrestling. Uh, maybe, except for Aja Kong, maybe the the number one legend remaining um, from that sort of '90s glory period of Joshi wrestling. But always good to see her. Love her offense. So I also thought it was a lot of fun but didn't think it was quite the blowaway match that maybe I was expecting going in. Yeah, I think that's fair,
1: but it was it was good. Uh, Mako despite her apparent relationship with WWE and therefore her somewhat necessary cancellation, I just there's something I can't shake and I just I just love her, you know? It just it breaks my heart that she's I guess going to let this promotion be taken over by, by WWE, but uh, not this promotion, but her promotion, Sendai girls. Uh, It's a promotion that I really enjoy. So it's kind of a bummer. So there's sometimes like, Sari. once it was like, she's going to WWE. I was like, eh, maybe I don't care as much about your matches anymore, (laughs) but uh, Mako, I just, I, I can't give up on her.
2: Yeah. And I think there's been a lot of rumors, but nothing's happened yet. And there's been so many sort of rumors flying about that whole thing. Um, with people, you know, oh, this is happening and then it changes to something else. So it, I'm trying to be very zen about the whole thing, uh, which doesn't always work. But in terms of Mako, I think just because I've been watching her for so long and I think she is so talented that it's still fairly easy for me to get into her matches and really enjoy them.
1: After the match they did, your kind of normal retirement ceremony with people coming in and giving Kagetsu flowers and cards and gifts. And this was uh, very sweet. Of course, she had done a a similar thing already in stardom. So a lot of the stardom people had already given her uh, gifts and whatnot. So this was more of just your, your flowers and cards. Uh, But it was very sweet. This is always (laughs) very emotional for me to watch these things. It's not just so much. It is sad for me that like Kagetsu is retiring. We won't get to watch her wrestle anymore. I'm very glad that I got to see her live before she retired. Uh, but just seeing the people being so emotional with her, you know, in the ring is just like very affecting to me. Uh, you know, for example, uh, they did a ten bells, ten bell salute, you know, rings of the bell after they played this really great video summarizing her career, and somebody is just bawling their eyes out. You can just hear them like screaming, crying, like you're at a funeral, and that's just like heartbreaking to me.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I think Joshi is, and I'm sure that this won't be the, um, for, this won't be the last time we cover a, uh, Joshi retirement. Joshi retirements tend to happen, uh, more often than in other wrestling, more unexpectedly and younger, uh, much younger than, um, men's wrestling or, you know, Western wrestling or things like that it's actually going up against Mako I was reminded you know Mako has been wrestling now for almost 25 years which is in Joshi wrestling nowadays almost unheard of so if you like someone in Joshi if you find someone you like you have to enjoy them while they're here because it may be here today gone tomorrow so absolutely and that's
1: I'm not going to say the only, but it's one of the bright sides of Road's interest in Joshi, of Cyber Agent, who owns DDT and Tokyo Joshi Pro. Their apparent interest in Joshi is that maybe we can create a an environment where uh, the women wrestlers can stick around longer because there's a viable path to making a, an economically successful career out of Joshi. Whereas in the past, it's maybe just been for the top people who have been able to do that. So. We will see. Speaking of Tokyo Joshi Pro, one thing I uh, wanted to talk about here is that there's going to be some Joshi on WrestleMania weekend. So if you're going to be in Tampa, if you're braving the coronavirus scare to go to Tampa, which we didn't talk about coronavirus at all with regard to the core, with the start of Coriquette, even though that's why there were no fans in the building. <laughs> but we didn't we didn't really touch on that. But I guess that's all there is to say. You know, yeah, like, and
2: I think that I think most people listening to it are aware that that is a thing. I don't know that that's breaking news to anyone listening, although maybe it, I don't know, maybe it is the only uh, media people consume is wrestling podcasts. Maybe they haven't uh, yet heard about it.
1: Yeah. So if you haven't heard of it, that's what's happening. And uh,
2: so there are a few confirmed
1: cases in Tampa, Florida. So if you're going to Tampa, Florida for, Uh, For WrestleMania weekend, the best thing I can say is make sure you watch Joshi before you die. That's just, that's my only advice. And uh, luckily for you, there will be some Joshi. So Tokyo Joshi Pro is running its own show. They've announced some matches. Yuka Sakazaki versus Sue Young. Shoko Nakajima versus Thunder Rosa. And the most recent announcement, Maki Ito taking on Priscilla Kelly. So a very strong presence of American wrestlers on this show.
2: Yeah, it's a bit interesting. I um, am not going to Tampa. I won't be there live. Um, Aaron, I don't think you're going either. Is that the case?
1: No, there's really not been enough announced that that got me to want to go.
2: Yeah, so I wasn't going to go, and then they announced Tokyo Joshi, and it put me more on the fence than I had been, but I ultimately decided not to go. And looking at this card, it's a little bit – I'm a little bit underwhelmed. Um, I'm thinking back to last year when DDT was part of WrestleMania weekend and had what was maybe the show of the weekend presenting a very authentic DDT card with DDT talent um, in the big spots facing off against other DDT talent. I don't know how super excited I am to see um, Tokyo Joshi talent facing off against American talent. I would much rather have seen some Tokyo Joshi versus Tokyo Joshi, which I'm sure will happen on the undercard um, because they have quite a few wrestlers announced as coming over. But I just wish there was maybe one big match that was um, all Tokyo Joshi sort of main roster talent. Sue Young, Thunder Rosa, and Priscilla Kelly have all been in Tokyo Joshi at one time or another for a brief. Time. Some of these are rematches of matches that have already happened. So I think the show will be good. I think it'll be a lot of fun. If you have a ticket and you're planning on going, I don't mean to uh, bum you out or scare you away because I think Tokyo Joshi, having seen them live, put on a super fun show, um, but maybe um, not quite the matches that I would have hoped for when the show was first announced.
1: Yeah, even on the DDT show, you had Maki Ito versus Miyu Yamashita. So, like a pretty big Kuka Joshi Pro match. And, or the Stardom show at Mania last year, which was pretty much like a normal Stardom show. You had the big uh, Utami versus Momo match on that card. So, it is a bummer. I think all these will be fun. And if I was already going to be there, I would definitely go to the show without a doubt. Oh, see. definitely. But it doesn't, it's not something that makes me switch over from not going to going. Uh, Especially, I went to Japan a few months ago, so I kind of was already planning on not going to Mania. So I needed something just like financially. I wasn't planning to go, but I needed something to like really drag me there. And and this is not it. The other big uh, Joshi-related WrestleMania weekend news is that Asuka, the not WWE version, uh, but I, I guess she's now
2: going, is it... (laughs) Veni? <laughs> I was hoping you would say it very confidently and I would just follow after Look. you because of the fact that it might be Veni. 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 this is good audio.
1: I was trying to figure yeah, this great. But I mean the um, the e sound in Japanese is like an a. So ve- Veni. I don't know, but it, in my uh shitty Eastern Kentucky accent. It comes out as just like veiny.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, and in my head, I always, whenever I see it, I just think Asuka to me.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I so don't know it's, if
2: it's a permanent name change or if it's just because she's wrestling in the States and they don't want to have, you. Know, they don't want WWE to sue them or do something stupid that WWE would do. Um, I know that she changed her Twitter name to Venny. Um, so maybe that hints at something more, um, permanent than just a one weekend change, but I don't know. I think of her as Asuka, um, and until there's some official announcement about a name change, I'll just call her Asuka.
1: That's fair. So she's going to wrestle at Effie's Big Gay Brunch at WrestleMania weekend, which it looks like a pretty fun show. Probably another one that I would go to if I were going to be in town. But I'm not going to be. So do you want to talk quickly about if people aren't familiar with Asuka about matches they should check out or a little bit about her?
2: Sure. So Asuka is a uh, transgender wrestler um, from Japan. Very young. I believe she just turned 20 or maybe 21. So so very young. She actually was, I believe, the first transgender champion of any um, major wrestling company when she won the Regina de Wave um, from pro at Pro Wrestling Wave. Um, super talented. You'll often see her wrestling um, for DDT. She makes a lot of appearances at DDT, and then is a freelancer on the Joshi scene. So you'll see her in seedling, uh, I think sometimes in Oz Academy and many different promotions there. Um, put together a small list. Of a few matches to check out if you want to see her if you're planning on going to big gay brunch and want to see some matches of hers before you go or if maybe you're just interested in uh, checking out some good matches um on ddt universe there are a couple matches of hers you can check out one versus akito which is a single light tube death match um the rules are that there's one light tube in the match and the person who breaks it loses. So if you're not a death match person and you hear light tubes and your brain turns off, it's not that at all. It's very creative. It was one of my top 10 matches of the, of the year last year. She also faced uh, Konosuke Takeshita in DDT on September 29th. That was a great match. Takeshita, one of the, I think one of the best wrestlers in the world and went really move for move with Asuka there. She also had some great matches last year in Seedling. Seedling is Nanae Takahashi's um, independent Joshi promotion. Um, and Asuka had three, uh, two great singles matches and a great tag match. She had a great singles match against Nanai Takahashi on March 20th, uh, one against Arisa Nakajima on May 29th, and she had a great tag match um, on the Seedling Show in September with Makoto versus Yoshiko and Hiroyo Matsumoto, who you may know from the May Young Classic. Those are matches that are available online. I will actually go on our Twitter account and post links to those. So if you are interested, go to our Twitter account, jbomb Audio, and check those out.
1: Absolutely. I hope that's kind of something we can do generally is maybe go deeper into some wrestlers on this show when there's like a light news week. You know, this episode, there's kind of a lot we wanted to talk about because it's our first episode. But I'm hoping we can dive more deeply into some wrestlers, into some promotions, et cetera, and uh, provide some stuff on our Twitter account that you'll be able to check out. Uh, The only other thing I want to say about Asuka is she rules. She's literally, in my opinion, one of the best women's wrestlers in the world. And uh you, you will not be let down if you go check out the matches that, that Taylor's talking about.
2: Yeah, she may be she may be the most athletically gifted um Joshi wrestler there is currently today. She does some incredible things. And if you go and check her out, I promise you you will not be disappointed. All right. A few more news notes. Taylor, you want to take us through these? Sure. So uh this um was announced a little bit ago but Gaia Japan is returning for what is currently announced as one show on April 15th if you're not familiar with Gaia Japan it was a promotion a Joshi promotion that ran from 1995 to 2005 uh run by chagusa Nagayo who now runs Marvelous which is another Joshi promotion uh, Gaia was a very successful um Joshi promotion in the 90s drew huge crowds. Probably at this moment, their biggest claim to fame is it is where Mako Satomura was trained and where she debuted. Um, it also saw the reunion of the Crush and Gals, which was one of the big acts, probably one of the biggest acts in all of Japanese wrestling men or women, um, to be honest. So they are coming back for one show. The reason I'm bringing it up here is If you are interested in learning more about the show before it happens, Gaia Japan has launched a YouTube channel, uh, Gaiaism, G-A-E-A-I-S-M. You can look them up on YouTube. They posted their press conference announcing the show, and they have started posting selected matches from their history. It's a little bit difficult to find a lot of Gaia Japan, Because of copyright things, if you look them up on YouTube, you may find some shows or individual matches. But if this is something that interests you and you want to get into it, that's a good way to prep. They also, Gaia Japan, um, another one of their claims to fame is they were the subject of a documentary in 2000 called Gaia Girls, um, which became quite well-known in wrestling circles It's about the training of some of the uh, younger rookies in Gaia, Japan. If you're, I would just give you a warning. It is available on YouTube for free if you look up Gaia Girls. Um, If you are squeamish about violence or blood, uh, I will give that warning to you that there are some scenes that maybe people would consider hard to watch. Uh, but it is something that's super interesting, a look into the way that these women were trained at the time. So you can check that out as well. For the card itself, for the April 15th show, they've announced two matches. One that's more of a sort of historical look back, uh, a six-woman tag with Chigusa Nageo, Mako Satomura, and Sakura Hirota versus Kaoru. Chikayo Nagashima, and Toshi Uematsu. Those are all wrestlers that wrestled in Gaia Japan. Uh, A lot of them were rookies trained by Chigusa uh, before the promotion debuted and made their debut with the promotion. And then the main event is Takumi Aroha, who is the current ace of Marvelous, going against Chihiro Hashimoto, who is the current ace of Sendai Girls. So really an interpromotional Dream match, you would say. Aroha recently making a great appearance on Stardom in a match against Mayu Iwatani, and now we'll have this match against Hashimoto, which I think will be really great. I'm sure we'll be talking about this more as more matches are announced, but if you want to start preparing, if you want to learn more, check out that YouTube channel and um, get ready to watch that show, which I'm sure will be great.
1: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I'm going to... Check it out. That was obviously before my time. So I'll uh, check it out and see, you know, what
2: grabs me before it comes back. Yeah. And it's I think it's really great that they're uploading these matches to the YouTube to give people a chance to watch these shows. As I said, it's a little bit difficult to check out a lot of these shows unless you go and buy them from someone who happens to have them on DVD or something like that. So this is a great way for people to get into the promotion before the show happens. And they've already said it's currently planned on being one show, but you never know what the future holds. Maybe this is, um, you know, going to lead into something where we get more Gaia Japan events. So we shall see. All right. We, uh, only, we, we also have May Saruga appearing in all Japan. Yeah, so she is appearing, uh, I guess this is sort of an unmasking in a way, but uh, appearing as Pink Mensore. Um, Black Mensore is a, a All Japan wrestler who announced his sister was coming into the promotion to tag with him. Uh, and it is May Saruga appearing as Pink Mensore. She's had one match already and has another match coming up against... Um, Emi Sakura, who is the head of Gato Move and also her trainer. So that'll be a tag match worth checking out and look for maybe even more appearances of Pink Menso All
1: right. A few more news notes. We've got a Joshi Rookie Tournament coming up. So anybody less than three years of experience, right?
2: Yeah. So this was just... Is going to be hosting... A Joshi rookie tournament It's going to be three days. The first round is going to be on March 28th. The second round then on April 22nd. And the finals are going to be on April 26th. This is the third time they have done a rookie tournament like this, but it is the first time in 12 years. The last one was in 2008, which was won by Sachiko Sendai, who is Dash Chizako's sister. Um, and they have announced 11 of the 12 participants of this tournament. There will be a total of 12. One is being listed as X, who supposedly will be announced on the day of the show when the matchups are announced. You have every, um, or almost every independent Joshi promotion represented here by at least one talent. You have Akari and Korea from Pure J. You have Maria, Mei Hoshizuki, and Makoto Shindo from Marvelous, Manami and Yurika Oka from Sendai Girls, Nanami and Haruka Umasaki from Diana, Honori Hana from Keedling, and Mei Saruga from Move. I'm super excited for this. I am someone who has beat the drum that a lot of these Joshi rookies currently coming up are incredibly, incredibly talented. I'll talk about them more later as we go into the recommended matches section. But I think in this tournament, these 11 people, you are going to see some future stars. I think there's a lot of talent. I I have no idea who X could even be, um, but that could be even more talent. But this is going to be something that you're going to want... You're going to want to see. I don't know if it will make tape. They haven't announced anything. I can't imagine it not making tape in some shape or form. Uh, But something definitely to be excited for. We'll cover it when it airs, definitely, because I think it's going to have a lot of great matches. And if you want to learn about a lot of different people in Joshi, if you're just getting into Joshi, this is a great way to do it.
1: You definitely want to get it on the ground floor of these folks so that when they retire in three years, you'll know a lot about them.
2: (laughs) Yes, when they have two years of they become the best wrestler in three years and then immediately retire, you can say that you saw them from the beginning. Absolutely. You could say you saw their entire career. So it's very exciting.
1: Uh, We also found out about the Catch the Wave tournament. So Pro Wrestling Wave, they have a have a big tournament every year. It's called Catch the Wave. How exciting. Uh yes yeah, sometimes, so, sometimes the finals
2: don't make tape. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been an interesting few years for Pro Wrestling Wave. Two years ago, the catch the wave tournament uh went really well. They had a lot of good matches, and they do a very interesting final match where they have three wrestlers who are it's a round robin tournament, and they have the three wrestlers who win their block face-off in one match, but the way it happens is they're individual one-on-one matches, and you have to pin both opponents in two matches in a row. So you have to beat your first opponent, then the next opponent comes in, and you have to pin them in order to win the match. But as you could imagine, you wrestle one person, you get tired, the other person comes in and has an advantage. So these matches can go on for quite a long time, they're very exciting. But two years ago, they had a great match, um, which featured Ayako Hamada, who unfortunately ran into some trouble with the law. So that that show was up. That match was up for about four or five days, and then it was taken down. Um, so a lot of people didn't get the chance to see it. Uh, Pro Wrestling Wave ran into some... Um, Issues last year, they had one of their stars retire. They took four months off. They came back and they did catch the wave and very little of the tournament actually made tape. They put out a DVD of it, which you could buy from Japan, but only selected matches from the tournament itself came out. So I'm hoping, uh, fingers crossed, that we get more of the tournament than we have in years past because they usually have a lot of great talent, both from Wave and also bringing other, other people in from other promotions. So hopefully we'll see that, but we'll keep you up to date when those shows are going to air. The first show is going to be May 11th, and the finals are going to be July 7th in Shinjuku Face.
1: All right, one last note, and I literally know nothing about this, Taylor, so you're going to have to tell our great listeners about it.
2: Yeah, so I added uh, added this. I just wanted to mention that this, um, on the 29th, February 29th, the True Hearts uh, Joshi Collectible Cards were released for 2020. If you don't know, True Hearts uh, BBM releases a set of Joshi trading cards, essentially, every year. They feature a lot of the talent throughout almost the entirety of joshi wrestling except for stardom which has their own trading cards but they came out this year it's always a fun set um so if you hear about it if you have a chance to buy any of those cards that just came out it's a super fun way to learn about some of these wrestlers especially the ones in these lesser known promotions which you may have never seen before uh and as someone i personally enjoy um the hobby of trading cards. I don't buy that many, but I do always make sure to buy the true heart set because I think they're nice cards. They're really fun to have. And it's uh, really cool that you have a card company that releases Joshi focus cards.
1: Yeah, I like to collect things, but I just see this as a, a hole that I would go down and perhaps never escape from. <laughs> and, uh, it just seems like it'd be bad for me. So I'm trying to just ignore that it exists.
2: Sure. So just plug your ears whenever I talk about it.
1: (laughs) All right. The (laughs) next part of the show we want to do, we're going to call it Spark Notes, which is very clever, I think. And basically what we want to do is not go anywhere near as in-depth as we did on the big shows that we talked about up top, but just let you know about some of the other smaller shows that have gone on. Uh, So, Taylor, you want to get us started with uh, what's been going on in Marvelous?
2: So, yeah, so Marvelous, I'm sort of going to do. They've had four shows that have uh, made tape, um, two in January, two in February. It's been a great start to the year for Marvelous, in my opinion. One thing they've started doing on a lot of the shows, they kicked these shows off with rookie matches. They have three um, rookies in Marvelous, uh, Maria Makoto Shindo and Mei Chizuki. They are, I think, in my mind, the three best rookies in all of wrestling in total. I love them. I think they're great. They go out and they put on great matches. But Marvelous has been kicking off these shows with one-on-one matches with these rookies. And the winning rookie gets put in the main event. So there is a big time... Reward for the winner, and they've been having some great matches, which I'll talk about in the recommended matches. But I recommend you check out Marvelous if you're not familiar with them. They have a streaming service, freshlive.tv slash marvelous. And the best thing is that they put up the first half of their shows for free. So if you don't want to subscribe, they're totally free. You go on there and you can watch the beginnings of these shows, which have these great rookie matches. Um, on the first half of the card if you watch and you get really into it and you want to see more you you can subscribe and i think it's something like four dollars a month it's something very affordable very cheap and then you can see the entirety of the shows so that includes the second half of the shows which usually include the semi main event and the main event of these shows
1: yeah i have i'm not completely caught up on marvelous but some of the january stuff i really enjoy they kind of have cards that are just a lot of fun. It's like easy to to get through the shows aren't very long, it's easy to watch and they have a as you were talking about a lot of young talent that is very interesting. Maria is one of my favorites from seeing her uh, around in other promotions. So, it's a promotion that I really like. Next up is uh, Oz Academy. Now, we're not going to talk about every promotion every episode, but just kind of some of the stuff that's been going on recently. So, Oz Academy ran on February 16th, right?
2: Uh, yes, February 16th. Any big, any
1: big stuff that listeners need to know about that show?
2: So, really, the big thing that's happening right now is uh, Mayumi Ozaki is the champion of that promotion. Hiroyo Matsumoto recently won a number one contender tournament. So, they are building to that match. They had a title match last year at Oz Academy's big show that was a blast. Death match, which I really loved. Uh, it involved exploding baseball bats, and the usual, as we talked about before, the, the Oz Academy style of high amounts of interference. Um, but this 216 show, sort of a house show, still building to that big title match.
1: All right, there was a Sendai Girls show on 216, and unfortunately I haven't been able to watch the whole show, but I did check out uh, the main event before we recorded, and it was Kagetsu versus uh, Chiro Hashimoto. Kagetsu kind of did like a retirement tour where she went around and worked lots of different promotions and mostly against younger wrestlers. This isn't really... Hashimoto is pretty established at this point. But this was a, a good match. It wasn't as good as the match with Satomura, I didn't think. But it was a fun match. It's just kind of what we talked about a lot on the show that Joshi can be pretty... Some of the people can be isolated, the people who are not freelancers who work in mostly in one promotion. So it was fun to see Kagetsu and Chiro kind of mix it up when that's not really something that that's happened a whole lot. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, also on this show, I, I definitely want to go back and make sure I catch the uh, Dash Chisako and Mako Satamura versus Natsumi Maki and Sari at just a lot of people that I really like and a lot of people who hit hard. And I I bet it's a lot of fun. So haven't gotten to it yet. But I plan too soon.
2: Yeah, it was a it was a pretty fun show. Nothing that really stood out. Uh, I watched the whole thing. I agree with you on the Kagetsu Hashimoto match. The tag match with Satomura, and Chizako, Maki, and Sari was a lot of fun. At the time I was watching it, I thought it was maybe the last Sari match I would ever watch. But as we'll talk about later, she will have at least one more match making tape this week. So that's a relief, uh, but a fun show. Maybe nothing to go out of your way about, but certainly, you know, nothing nothing bad here.
1: And then Tokyo Dushi Pro has been running some no-fan shows and little tournaments and whatnot. They had a show on March 1 and March 8, and I have not gotten to those yet, but I think you have watched them, right?
2: I have. I highly recommend them. If there's any company, as we mentioned earlier, coronavirus has put um, on hold some of these cards that these promotions would usually be running. If there's any company that is most suited to improvise on the fly, it is um, DDT slash Tokyo Joshi. So they've had two shows, one on March 1st and one on the 8th. The show on the 1st is a single elimination tournament where the winner gets a gift certificate to Genghis Khan restaurants. It's a super fun show. There's a lot of really lighthearted stuff. If you want to watch a show and you want to see a lot of matches for your time, that is the show to see. Because I believe there's something like 24 matches um, in about two hours. So a lot of matches. It's super fun. Everyone clearly is having a good time. Uh, and then the three HO very similar. They did a another tournament, but it's based on it's a team tournament based on the colors that all the wrestlers wear. So there's team red, team yellow, and team blue, based on their wrestling gear. They are wrestling to try points and the winning team gets to go to an amusement park for the day. So high stakes. It's a lot of fun. If you've ever watched (laughs) Tokyo Joshi, you know that they can uh, get silly and, you know, do some wacky things. So certainly two really fun shows to watch. I highly recommend them.
1: All right. The next thing we want to do is talk about some recommended matches. The idea of this is normally going to be recommended matches since the last time we recorded. Of course, this is the first ever episode, so we're kind of going to talk about stuff that's happened in 2020, period, so it's a longer time frame, but in the future, you know, it'll probably just be a couple matches uh, that we didn't get a chance to talk about otherwise, but Taylor, do you want to get us started with uh, some of your recommended matches from the beginning of the year?
2: Sure, so the first match, uh, we haven't really talked about them yet today, but Ice Ribbon, on January 13th, there was a Tsukasa, Fujimoto, and Sukushi tag versus Akane, Fujita, and Asashi. Uh, this was a tag title match. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Fujimoto, I think, is one of the great, uh, one of the top Joshi talent currently going. Sukushi is a lot of fun. She actually recently just had a, um, went to Mexico for a little bit to have some matches there. That was super fun. I highly recommend this match. Um, The next one is, as I touched on before, Marvelous having a lot of these great opening rookie matches. If you only watch one, May Hoshizuki versus Maria from January 19th, to me, it's a go out of your way, must watch match. I absolutely loved it. It has a feeling of, you know, not in the way of shoot style sort of simulates being a real fight, but it has sort of a real fight struggle feeling to it. Two rookies, they don't have a lot of big moves. They don't have an a encyclopedia of a thousand moves they can do, but they have to try and win. They want to get in the main event. I highly recommend Maria and Meho Shizuki, a must watch for me. The next one, the next two actually are from stardom. The first is from January 26th. It is Kagetsu and Mayu Iwatani versus the reforming JK Green of Jungle Kiona and Momo Watanabe. This was Kagetsu's final um, match, except for she had a gauntlet, um, sort of a gauntlet retirement match, which is very standard in Joshi wrestling. But this was her final sort of Basic tag match. It's really good. As I already talked about, Jungle Kiona is one of my favorites, one of the best. Momo Watanabe. All four of these wrestlers go all out the whole time. They do crazy stuff that you won't believe. Another must watch for me. The other one from Stardom, it's gotten a lot of talk from a lot of different areas. Of the Joshi world, Mayu Iwatani versus Takumi Aroha. Aroha, as I mentioned, is the ace of Marvelous. So this a bit of a crossover match. You don't see it too often. Aroha also started in Stardom. She was a Stardom trainee who then went to Marvelous. So a bit of a story there. This is a great match. As I talked about with Mayu, Mayu is willing to do anything for a great match. A lot of crazy things that maybe most other wrestlers wouldn't do. Uh, So check that one out. And finally, another Marvelous match. Marvelous and Pro Wrestling Wave have started a sort of feud between them. It started on the February 10th show with Takumi Aroha taking on Yuki Miyazaki in a one-on-one match that Yuki won. And then on the 224 show, they had a gauntlet, um, a five-on-five. I don't know if gauntlet is the right word but a elimination singles match where each one-on-one, they would go one-on-one, and the winner would advance to face the next person. That is a great match. I thought it was a lot of fun, has hard-hitting stuff, has some funny stuff, and really builds to a great climax. So check out that gauntlet match from Marvelous on February 24th.
1: All right, my turn to talk about some recommended matches. Uh, I sadly see I've mostly got Norby shit here. But that's okay. Uh, Sari, on her kind of way out of Joshi or into retirement, as I like to say, when anybody goes uh, to WWE, she's had some really good stuff. Her match with Natsumi Maki at the Tokyo Joshi Pro Show on January 4th. I happened to be there in person, so it was a lot of fun to see that. And Sari, which what she normally does, just beat the shit out of Natsumi Maki. And they're apparently, like, very good friends. So it's even funnier that they did that. But it was really good, and she had another really good match with Hero A in Wave. So I didn't just do Normie promotions, so that's good. Uh, and But that was fun. But I mean, it's kind of the same style. If you like Suri's style, you will like this match. Just hard-hitting type stuff. Uh, a lot of her firing up and a lot of her charisma, which is really important to her whole thing. We'll see if any of that works in WWE. Well, some people will see. I will never have any idea, but hopefully... It works out for if that's what she wants. I talked about this match already, but Mayu Iwatani versus Momo Watanabe on the 119 stardom show. It was just, if you watched the Momo white belt title reign, then this kind of had a lot of that similar style of Momo uh, selling for a lot of it. And, you know, then she, of course, tried to make her comeback, but it didn't work as well as it did in the old white belt days. So that was unfortunate, but just, my use at the top of her game right now, Momo, is, is excellent. So this was really good. Um, now, it wasn't just Sari who made that match with Natsumi Maki really good. Natsumi Maki is very good in her own right. And she had a at least a trio of matches with Miyu Yamashita. Uh, I think it was three matches. There might have been more. And that was in Tokyo Joshi Pro. Their match on January 25th was my favorite of the group. And so that's what I would suggest. But you'll learn if you go through the type of matches that I like. I like the really hard-hitting type stuff. And there was a lot of that here, just like a little visceral. I kind of enjoyed that, where you feel a little bit of hate between the the wrestlers. So uh, that was something that I enjoyed. And then one more from Stardom on January 26th with Tommy defending the SWA championship against Jamie Hader. I think Jamie Hader is one of the best women's wrestlers in the world. I'm a huge fan of hers. It's shocking to me that an American company hasn't signed her and made her a top star because I think her, her mix of charisma and ring work is, there's just not a lot of people better when you add it all up, which I think I'm not sure if this is a hot take or not. I'm not sure how high people are on Jamie, but I think she's out of this world. And Utami is also very good and a little, you know, newer in her career than Jamie, but uh, but a really excellent worker. And when these two came together in this match, it just kind of all worked for me. So just a few matches from me.
2: Yeah, a lot of great stuff in the first two months of Joshi to check out. I had, I, I think I know both of us had a number of matches. We sort of whittled it down so we didn't spend, you know, a long time talking about great matches, but there have been great matches really in every promotion over the first two months of the year. Yeah. And so that's just something
1: we want to do to make sure people can keep up with, with matches. Or if there's something you haven't seen or you hear about and you're like, Oh, that's interesting. Then, you know, that's just, we want to help everybody to try to make sure they're, they're seeing everything, at least the stuff uh, that we think is good. And to close out, this will be our last segment on the show. We just want to talk about some shows that are coming up. So
2: Taylor, what shows coming up are you looking forward to so i guess i'll start with the shows that we know currently are going to be airing so the first one is diana their february 22nd show is going to be on nico nico on march 11th uh diana is we haven't talked about them yet they are a, a joshi promotion that up until this year almost never made tape anywhere. You couldn't see them unless you went to the shows. I believe I looked it up and their last event that actually was aired anywhere was back in 2017 or 2018. Uh, they were at this point, Sari's home promotion. That's where she wrestled. And this two twenty two show has a Sari match on it. Unless, um, The Diana Show on February 23rd or February 24th makes tape, which seems very doubtful. This will most likely be Ceri's last aired match, um, last aired Joshi match before she leaves for the States. So something to check out there. Just Tap Out, uh, which is the promotion run by Taka Michinoku, has a girl's. Um, sort of sub-promotion. They are running an event, Just Tap Out Girls 2, um, which was from February 18th, which is airing on March 10th, on Nico Nico, which has Micah, who we talked about earlier, versus Kagetsu as part of Kagetsu's unofficial retirement tour. And then finally, Ice Ribbon, their February 24th show, which had a lot going on, airs on March 12th on Nico and their March 14th show, which I'll talk about in a second, as it's upcoming this week, airs on March 22nd on Samurai. I'm sure that we will probably cover that show, which is a big Korakuen Hall show happening this week, on the next episode of this podcast. Um, Absolutely,
1: I think something we're going to try to focus on is the Korakuen the Hall show. So, if you if you're new to Joshi, if you're new to Japanese wrestling, yeah, you know, that's most promotions. That's where they have their biggest shows. So. We'll try to make
2: sure we cover
1: those uh, when possible.
2: Yes. And now I'll just cover, uh, these are some shows actually that are happening in the next two weeks. Some of them, we don't know when or if they're, if they'll air, but seedling has a Korakin hall show coming up on March 10th, which is headlined by Arisa Nakajima versus Rina Yamashita for the beyond the sea title. Uh, it's been a bit of a strange build for that title match with Rina Yamashita dumping water on Arisa and also putting a poop emoji uh, on her back during a press conference that they had on Nico Nico earlier this week. Um, another, one other match to look out for there, Tsukasa Fujimoto is facing off against the seedling rookie, Honori Hana. I would imagine, if I was guessing a prediction, that Fujimoto wins that match and challenges Arisa for the title at the end of the show. Arisa Nakajima and Tsukasa Fujimoto are part of a tag team called Best Friends. They are the original Best Friends before the American uh, Best Friends formed. So I can imagine that would be a very strong match for Seedling, so maybe look out for that. Wave has a show on March 11th. As I talked about before, Wave and Marvelous are feuding. So on that show, they have five Wave wrestlers and five Marvelous wrestlers who are going to appear in singles matches. That will be determined on the day of the show. It will probably be the usual drawing of a stick or drawing of names, and then we'll see which singles matches happen there. Gake no Fuchi Pro which is Miyako Matsumoto's, um, I guess, one-person promotion. You may have heard about them when Miyako wrestled Chris Brooks at the beginning of the year on January 4th in a death match. She is returning and facing Chikara. There's a lot going on here. I won't go into all of this. Chikara is looking for, to get married and... Uh, Minoru Sawa has been put in charge of this promotion, even though he doesn't want to be. But that, (laughs) that, uh, (laughs) that match between Matsumoto and Brooks took the wrestling world by storm at the beginning of January. So this match will most likely be airing on DDT Universe, and I will highly recommend that you check that out. Uh, the Ice Ribbon March Fourteenth show, as I mentioned before, which is airing on Samurai on Three Twenty Two, headlined by Amaya Yukihi, title match the Ice um, the the Ice Ribbon title. She is defending against Ragi Kurumi, and also um, Aja Kong on the show. Aja Kong, a Joshi legend, taking on Ibuki Hoshi, and. Uh, one other big match that's happening, Suzu Suzuki. So at the February 24th show, Suzu Suzuki is a young wrestler who debuted recently um, in the recent past. But before she could debut the first time, she was in a bicycle accident um, and her debut was delayed. When she actually did debut, part of her gimmick was she would say, cheer in, cheer in, which is the um, onomatopoeia way of making a bike bell sound um, and she would do an attack based on that. She retired that gimmick at the February 24th show and disappeared and has been leaving mysterious notes at the ice ribbon dojo, one which said leg one, which said roll and she is returning on this March 14th show to take on Tsukasa Fujimoto. Don't know what kind of gimmick she'll have. Don't know what she'll be doing. Uh, but that is definitely something to look out for. Um, And then just two other matches um, that have been announced. Gato Move has a show on March 20th that features an Asia Dream Tag Championship match. Yuna Mizumori and Saki, who are the champions, are going to take on Emi Sakura and Kaori Yonayama. And finally, Wave has a Regina DeWave title match. That's their big title which is Nagisa Nozaki, who is the Regina DeWave champion, against Miyuki Takase, who is the actress girls champion. So it is a champion versus champion match, an opportunity for Miyuki Takase to walk away as Miyuki Two Belts. We'll see if that happens. So that is what is coming up in the next two weeks in Joshi Wrestling.
1: We have given a lot of information. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Joshi. Wow. Uh, if you're new to Joshi, you're probably overwhelmed at this moment. If you're, if you're not, you might still be overwhelmed. Honestly, a lot of information here, but I hope There's a lot that, happening. Yeah. There is, and once we get on a, a a good regular, you know, every other week schedule, I'm hoping we can kind of make it a little more uh, bite sized, you know, so you can kind of come out of our podcast feeling informed and not overwhelmed. I hope you don't feel overwhelmed now, but That's kind of the idea. Those are the things we want to do. Absolutely reach out to us on Twitter and let us know if there's other things you want us to cover or other things you're interested in that we might be able to talk about on the show. Um, But is there anything else you want to talk about before we go, Taylor?
2: Well, as you said, I think we really covered it all. so, So nothing more from me. Okay, well, make sure.
1: That you follow us on Twitter at J Bomb Audio. If you like this episode, there's gonna be lots of news there and we'll keep you up to date on on when we're coming out. If you can't, you know, over two weeks it can be hard to remember. So we'll give you an idea when the show's coming. But whenever this was posted, you should expect another episode in two weeks. You can also follow uh Taylor and I on Twitter. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. And Taylor is at T A Mambo, M A I M B O. Is that how you uh
2: say it, Taylor? Yeah. You're you're right on. <laughs> okay, subscribe
1: to the show. Make sure you're getting these when they come out. We would really appreciate ratings and reviews on uh, the iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. And if you're feeling uh, really good about all the info we just gave you, feel free to jump over to RedCircle.com/slash/shows/slash/Jumping-Bomb-Audio and give us a, a small donation. We'll put the link to that in the show notes. So. I think that's everything. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed it. I appreciate you listening. And I hope you will come back and join us again in two more weeks. See you then. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye.
0: Say goodbye